what this session is is like opening up the tool bag and I'm just going to kind of give you some tools. So some of the tools you just say, I'm sure that's helpful, but that's not where I am right now, you know. Uh, and you'll just say, oh, this is, we're going to talk about dealing with conflict, which none of you are familiar with probably as a concept, but just in case you are, how do I deal with it? So then you want to think, well, what, what tool should I pull out today, you know, to think about using? So that's how I want us to think about it. And there's all kinds of ways with, to deal with conflict, but most of the time you think about winners and losers in conflict. You know, I got into an argument, could be with my wife, could be with my neighbor, could be in the workplace, and you walk away and you say, I told them. You know, there's some phrase in your head that you decide, did I win or did I lose? And we want to try to move away from that concept, uh, that there's just one winner. But to try to ingrain this, I've got this serious video I want you to take a look at, that, you know, it doesn't have to be just one winner all the time. Superstars going at it. The only way to eliminate a competitor is to send them over the top rope. Both feet have to touch the floor in order to be eliminated. And Big Show going right up, right after Los Matadors. It's going to be interesting, John, especially since you got teammates like Buso, Star, and Goldust, and Miz and Mizdow in this matchup. It's all about winning an individual championship. The two Goliaths staring each other down, rolling in Big Show. Rowan wow. backing down. Rowan took that headbutt and started pouring the high those big right hands at Big Show. Ooh, and Rowan said he didn't like bullies on Raw. Now he gets a chance to go after Big Show. Rowan yeah. eliminated. Big Show. And Big Show's been eliminated. Rowan eliminated the Big Show. The Miz. Whoa. himself and whoa, swagger from behind on the second rope yeah. swagger bomb to Rusev but you gotta get him over the rope Jack and Cesaro whoever the opportunist looking to get rid of swagger here swagger caught on the top rope Cesaro look at this whoa. Cesaro Cesaro still in this matchup holding on for dear life uh oh uh oh Tyson Kidd and there goes Tyson Kidd. Swagger needs to get back in the ring. That's the wrong way, Jack. Rusev. Oh, and Rusev blasting Swagger. Rusev's going. Rusev's going. Rusev's going. Get both feet hit. Cesaro. Cesaro's been eliminated. And Rusev. Wow, that was Rusev's a eliminated Swagger.
growing up in the house of Egypt, then 40 years in the desert, and then 40 years uh, leading people in the wilderness. And um, the 40 years of leading people in the wilderness, the last 40 years, you might say it's leading people in conflict because it's like 40 years of conflict. Think about that. 40 years of leading people who are constantly in conflict with you, with each other, or the Lord. This is the whole thing. So the, in Exodus 15, there's this celebration. They finally got across the, the um, Red Sea. The grumbling starts. Let me just want to notice this, uh, Exodus 15. Miriam, Moses' sister, has a great song in Exodus 15, and it, pre it pretty quickly turns to, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And then when they came to Merah, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter, and the people began to grumble against Moses. So here's the very first step in a long series, chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. And in the morning you shall see the glory of, the of God because he has heard your grumbling against him. For what are we that you grumble against us? As Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat in the evening and in the morning, you'll be full uh, because he has heard you grumble and that you grumble against him. Your grumbling is not against us. I mean, this is just how many times can you use the same word in one sentence? Then uh, in, verse, in chapter 17, God moves the people uh, to a certain location. Uh, they moved ac according to st these stages to Rephidim, and it was a place where there wasn't any water. And so in verse 4, so Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with his people? They are almost ready to stone me. So we're just past the Red Sea, and we've gone from grumbling to stoning. So we're, we're moving quickly down the conflict scale here. And then in Numbers 12, 1 and 2, which you could look at later, Aaron and Moses, I mean Aaron and Miriam, the one who just sang the song, and Aaron, his spokesperson, want to replace Moses as the leader. Hey, Moses, you did a great job getting us here, but it's time for you to take an exit and us to be here. How would you feel about that? Your best friend, your sister. So Moses knows about conflicts, very familiar with it. And just one question I have is, why does God choose this path, this way of dealing with his people? Why doesn't he go from rescue or Red Sea to rest? Why do we have wilderness in between? Why can't we just, hey, we crossed over the Red Sea and here we are in the promised land. Why do we have this space in between the rescue and the rest? And you could think how you might want to answer that why would God lead people to Rephidim knowing there's no water so the Lord led them in stages to a particular place where there was no water why would God do that and I would at least suggest one possible answer that the wilderness wasn't necessary for salvation but it was necessary for the process we called sanctification so in this wilderness, there's challenges that God intentionally leads us into, and it's part of a sanctification process. 
So one reason that's important to keep in mind is to think of your challenges or the conflicts that you're engaged, get engaged in aren't just hurdles in your way to somewhere, they're opportunities to grow. And this is very hard to do. Because when you're in conflict, you're just like, I'm just doing everything I can to get out of conflict. Uh, that's almost everybody's reaction. I just don't, I don't want this anymore. And if we can just say, hey, somehow God has led me to this place, even if it's through my own sin or the sin of somebody else, but he's using it as a chance to shape me or maybe reshape me. If you've ever had a nice, hot, Krispy Kreme donut, which I know you have, and I probably shouldn't introduce that idea right now. But you, you can't go from mixing bowl to your mouth. That You wouldn't enjoy that, right? <laughs> it's mixing bowl. It's shaping. It's rising. You know, you see the little things go up and down. It's hot grease. It's icing. And then it's your mouth. And it's worthwhile. The, the sh shaping and reshaping and process is worth it. And, you, and th this is the process that God has put us through. And in the desert, uh, writer says, the wilderness is a preparatory kind of brokenness that makes the heart ready for God's deeper work. So when you're in the wilderness, it's a kind of preparatory brokenness. In other words, something needs to be broken down and reshaped. And you've heard this, but I just happen to be familiar with it right now. One of my friends from high school called me, and he says, hey, I've got stage 2 cancer. I've got this operation. I've got to get a port. I'm doing chemo starting tomorrow. And, you know, it's terrible. I've had it in my own family. And so that was a couple weeks ago, and got a text from him last night. You wouldn't believe what the Lord's teaching me. So it's all part of this wilderness that something needs to be broken and reshaped. It doesn't mean God gave it to him in the sense that he wants him to have it, but he's using the sin of the world, the brokenness of the world to reshape your soul. So one, one just tool in the bag is a way to think about conflict. Is It's a way to reshape me. It's not just an obstacle I've got to get over. It's a it's a place that God wants to put me in to say, hey, you need to be cut. You need to be risen. You need to take some time. There ne something needs to happen before you get to the, the final process. So there's several pieces I want to look at. First of all, just underneath looking at yourself, we want to look at three things. So I'm in conflict. The first thing I want to do is just I just want to examine myself. Before I examine how terrible the other person is, how wrong they are, my good arguments against them, <laughs> This is a familiar pattern for Paul Phillips. That's why I didn't have to write it down. I mean, I can quickly analyze, okay, you're wrong. I'm right. Here's my answers to your wrongness, and here's what you need to do to change. I, it takes me no energy effort to do that. And my wife is like, Paul, you're like married to a lawyer. Because whenever you get in conflict, you do, okay, number one, number two, number three. You just got it all listed out. And you're so fun to live with in those moments. So the first thing you want to do is step back and look at yourself. This, is, this takes a lot of emotional maturity not to first look at the other person. So in baseball, when you're playing outfield as a little leaguer, the coach tells you when the ball comes your way, the first thing you do is you step back. 
Because the impulse is, I see it coming my way, I run to it, but then I misjudge, and whoa, it's over my head. And now to turn around and run backwards is a lot harder. So just there's a muscle memory. When I see the ball come off the bat, I just do this. And, and it gives me that like half second to say, I need to run back. I need to run the right, left, straight, whatever it is. But if your first step is forward, then if you've got to change, you've got all this momentum you've got to try to redirect. And so just when you get into conflict, first tool is the step back tool. I just want to step back and I want to look at myself. Jesus says, Matthew 7, 3 through 5, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? See, he's just examining the disciples who he knows have a host of problems. And he's watching them say, hey, when you notice something, you're just eager to step forward and identify it. And it might be there. There might be something in Trace's eye that I see. But I'm just too eager to lean into Trace and say, hey, let me show you all your faults. Let me show you why you're wrong. He said, hey, let's step back. And what does he say? First examine the log in your own this is humor for jesus yes there is an issue you could probably help in it but let's get the log out of your own eye i was talking to somebody who's um, going into counseling and i said hey you know when you when you go into counseling the first thing they do in school is you get into counseling oh really yeah because you don't want to import your your baggage into a counseling session it's a way of saying, hey, you got logs in your own eye, counselor, and if you're not careful, you're going to import the logs into the counseling session, and you can't do that. So you've got to step back and examine. Then, when you take the plank out of your own eye, then you can see clearly. Once you've seen yourself clearly, then you can help your brother. So difficult. So just a tool. Just step back. I'm in this conflict. Before I say anything today, I want to step back. Could just be, you know, you might need to say something pretty immediately. So it might just be a pause. Just could be the five second. I just need five seconds before I say this. A friend of mine wrote a letter that was going to go to the to the paper, a letter to the editor. And he called me and said, hey, let me read this to you. What do you think? And I, after he read it, I was just silent. And he said, are you, are you still on the phone? And I said, yeah, what did you think? I said, that's awesome. Now just go burn it. <laughs> I mean, you needed to get that out, and so and you did it well. Never let anyone see that. And he was so thankful. He was so thankful. So there, there, that's a step back, like, hey, I might need to get it out in private over here before it goes public. Step back. Know yourself. There's this slippery slope diagram, uh, and you may have seen me talk about it before, and there's good responses. You notice there's six good responses here, and if you thought of yourself as a, a person on top of this little slope, you just want to ask yourself, which way do you tend to go? I'm, I'm at the top of the slope, and I tend to go towards uh, denial. I, I'm a conflict avoider. Or if you're at the top of the slope, I like to get into it. And if I really get into it without thinking, then I, I can assault. So just know yourself. 
I feel a conflict coming my way, and what do I do? I love getting involved with it. Or I like just pretending like it's not there. Just knowing yourself is a helpful step. And then just notice, hey, there's three on each side, if we have the man at the top, that are good responses. I can overlook, I can reconcile, I can negotiate. This is me going to, this is either me overlooking it or talking to Trace by myself. Or, sorry, Trace, you just happen to be sitting right up front. Or, I have a, I, we both have logs in our own, own eyes and we're wounding each other and we need help. So we move towards negotiation, arbitration, accountability. You see that? The first, the, to the left is we're going to somehow try to work it out. And then we can't work it out, so we're going to get help working it out. But you can see there's, there's the line from I've overlooked to denial. This is a line a lot of people bounce in between. Am I overlooking it or am I just in denial? And a little phrase a guy told me about, he said, Paul, if you're having an argument in the shower with the person, not literally they're in your shower, but you're in the shower, you ever done this? And you have a running conversation in your head, and it's the argument with the person, then it's time, you're, you're not overlooking, you're in denial. So it's time to talk to the person. Overlooking is, I'm just going to let that move by. But if I'm in the shower going, I, I've got more wrong, well then, okay, <laughs> you're in denial. Just admit it, and then go and say something about it. Or I'm trying to say, hey, there needs to be some accountability, or I don't want that. I just want to assault. I want to attack. I want to belittle. So where, who are you? Just, again, this is knowing yourself. Where, where am I? And Proverbs talks a lot about this. These are all on your sheet. Good, good sense makes one slow to anchor, and it is, a, it is his glory to overlook an offense. You see that? So I'm slow to anger. And I should think about, can I just overlook? That's a lot of problem solving right there. Secondly, maybe I can't. So I'm going to engage. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up. I'm going to engage, but I'm not, I'm not going to be harsh. I'm not going to come in like a bull or an elephant. I'm not going to just run people over. I have to say something. I can't overlook, but I want to be careful about how I say it. Or Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail. I, I can't figure this out. I'm not sure I can even say it right. I need somebody from the outside. You see that? All in Proverbs. All, all that little wheel in Proverbs. So, just knowing yourself. And what's the right thing? There's sometimes you can overlook, sometimes you can't. Sometimes I can say something to Trace. Sometimes I'm so hot, I've got to have Leon help us out because I'm, I'm just not going to say, it's not going to be helpful to me to do it myself. Does that make sense? So just to a tool. Third thing about just yourself, you're look, at, look at yourself, is just understand uh, the a, con a common pattern in conflict. Again, this takes a lot of EQ to step back and look at yourself but James 4, 1 says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? See, what what's ca causes the, qu qu the, the quarrels? 
What does he first identify where that starts? It starts inside of me. <laughs> you just see the maturity there? What causes all these fights and quarrels? Well, Tony. Tony starts them all. See what I'm saying? He, he's immediately trying to say, let's look at ourselves. You have, perhaps you have some kind of desire that's misplaced or overzealous. You want something, you don't get it, so you kill and covet. See, you're, you, you're, this is um, sliding down the murder. I'm not getting it, so i got to kill this person. I, I probably said this some, some many times, but I, I had a friend who had um, a little device in his car, and it made sounds like missile sounds and bomb sounds. And instead of yelling at the people that cut him off, he would hit the missile sound or the bomb sound. Hey, you. And he, it was like a, a release of tension. So he didn't run the person off the road. He just blew him up in his mind. You know, and I just wonder if you're that way. I just, hey, I'm just going to send the missile right now to this conversation, to my wife, to my child. So you, you kill, you covet. So I want us just to notice here before we move to the second phase, James doesn't really concern himself with the issue. He concerns himself with a the heart. There's a desire, and this is the spiral, and you can take time later just to think about this. I have a desire. It can't even be a good desire. We're not talking at all about evil desires. But desire morphs into a demand. I desire this. I must have it to be happy. You, see, you feel that? It moves from it really is a good desire to now it's, it's a God desire. If I don't get it, then I, I'm gonna, something bad's going to happen. So begin to demand. The demand isn't reached. The spiral goes down to disappointment. Disappointment means leads to judgment. You're such a. And then punishment. I'm going to hurt you. You're not leading, you're living up to my expectation, and now I'm going to hurt. And it may be with your fist, may with be with the iron curtain. You didn't respond well, honey, so I'm just going to shut down. This is the Paul Phillips mode. He's not a yeller, he's not a puncher, but he's an iron curtain. Does that make sense? I will punish you by just not talking to you, pretending like you're not there. That's a, that is so terrible. I am not admiring myself in any way. Just I punish. Might be for an hour, could be for a week. But I just lower the iron curtain. She knows that when the iron curtain's down. Some unmet desire got morphed into a demand, led to disappointment. I judge that she's wrong. I punish. So, Again, you're going to have to put this in your toolbox and then say, I've, I've got to come back to this and find myself in one of these places. Is there a tool here I need to take out? Really just to start by examining yourself before you examine the situation. Second part is conflict provides an opportunity for the gospel. One is just to remember that you're a product of the gospel. So you had a conflict with God. You had a really big conflict with God, and God was gracious to you in the conflict. He gave everything he could. 
to the parable of the unmerciful servant. You remember this parable? The, the guy comes back and finds a servant who owes him like a million dollars, and he forgives the debt of the million-dollar guy, and then the guy goes back and finds somebody who's indebted to him for one dollar, and the guy says, I can't pay you right now, but I'll pay you later, and he starts choking him. Pay me my one dollar right now. And Jesus says, you don't get it. You, you've been forgiven a million dollars, and now you're frustrated over a one dollar event. So, again, do you see how it's just, before I get into conflict, and I am going to have to enter in, but I just want to remember, I've been forgiven a lot. And that's going to shape how I move towards other people. You've been forgiven much. I try to think this way. It doesn't always happen, but um, somebody sent me an unkind series of texts recently and uh, evaluation of my leadership, <clears throat> which was well-received. <clears throat> uh, and I just tried to remember this. I think everything you're saying is totally untrue. This is me sitting by myself. But there's so many things that are so bad about me that you could accuse me of. See, you see what I'm doing? I'm just saying, you're getting this wrong, but I'm not trying to get high and mighty. I'm trying to lower, like Paul, there's a bunch of stuff he could accuse you of that you're terrible at, and he's not, but he could identify some things. So I'm just, I'm just lowering the pride in Paul Phillips right at that moment, which is going to help lower the temperature when I don't, I'm not going to text him back. I'm going to call him back. Please do not respond to a harsh text with a text. Face-to-face -face or a phone call. Um, I'm just remembering I've been forgiven much. So I'm, it's a tool. I'm just practicing. Here's another tool. I, I get to practice the golden rules. Somebody's in, I'm in conflict with somebody. Do unto others as you would have to do unto them. Have, have them do unto you. So pretty frequently, and, and I do this with other people, people come to me or I go to somebody and say, I've got this issue, what should I do? It's very common, very helpful. But a lot of times I'll just say, well, what would you want somebody to do to you? You know, you're, you're, you're coming into this situation, how would you want somebody to approach you? Well, I wouldn't want them to do that. Okay, then probably you shouldn't do that. That's a lot of ethics right there is just, how would you want somebody to treat you? If somebody's got to say something hard, how would you want to receive it if it's true? Well, I, I would want them to try to do it without anger. Or Okay, then, then you try to do it that way. That's, that can answer a lot of your questions on how you should move forward in conflict. And finally, um, I'm, I'm amazed at this passage, and I want to close here by just reading most of the whole thing. It's in Numbers chapter 14. And this is um, a really tough moment for Moses and the people he's leading. Numbers 14. And the final tool is just prayer. But it's helpful just to hear the story and then we'll break up into groups and talk. And I'll try to kind of move through this. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. The people wept. People grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation 
Hey, what would you have us do? Come out here and die in the wilderness? We could have died in Egypt. Why is the Lord even bringing us into this land to fall by swords, our wives, our children? They're all becoming prey. Isn't it better just to go back? Hey, let's choose another leader and go back to Egypt. I mean, just imagine yourself being Moses here. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation and the people and Joshua and Caleb, these two um, strong stalwarts with Moses. And um, they said to the congregation, the land which we have passed through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he'll bring us into this land. Joshua and Caleb want us to go into the, the, the promised land. and They don't want it to go into the promised land. Has he brought, how, our, our, we're, we're, he hasn't brought us out, verse 9, only just to rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. This is the fear of man. God will be our protection. And then the Lord, verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? You, you start feeling the Lord's uh, weariness. How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs I've done to them. Hey, I'm going to strike them with pestilence. I'm going to disinherit them. I'm going to make you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. This is a bad spot to be in with the Lord. Then Moses said to the Lord, what would you have said right there? Good. That's what I would have said. I'm so sick of these people. Great. I'd much rather have a better nation. Do the pestilence thing. Honestly, that's what I've been like. I'm, 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 I, well, I've been waiting on this the whole time. Uh, you should have done this right after we got through the Red Sea. But Moses said to the Lord, You know, if the Egyptians hear of it, they'll tell the inhabitants of the land, and they'll heard that you're the Lord in the midst of these people. They've seen you face to face, that clouds will stand over them, the pillar of cloud by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who've heard about all this, they're going to say it's because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land. Now, please, let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger. So Moses is repeating God's word back to God bounding instead with past love forgiving iniquity and transgressions I know you're not going to clear the guilty but please pardon verse 19 the iniquity of these people this is amazing do it because of your greatness not because of them verse 20 then the Lord said I have pardoned them according to your prayer Moses I mean, I wish when I was in conflict, I could have any kind of resource like that. I am so frustrated. I know the Lord is frustrated. So, Lord, let's get it on. Bring on the pestilence. But to step back and say, look, I want to pray for these people. And then the Lord responds to Moses' prayer. This is an amazing piece of, of scripture here that creates a lot of questions which we're not going to answer here by the way so just pray if you could step back and just even you're the worst people 
and I just have a heart for. And I pray that the Lord would do something good for them. Okay, let's get into groups of about three or four. Questions are on the back or up here and talk about you, how you operate. Ready, break. Break.